Well, Merry Christmas. If you're between the ages of four to the second grade, you're excused to kids' club. Let the last of them go. The afternoon of January 26th of 2009... With a wife who was nine months pregnant and having contractions about every five minutes, we loaded up our car and went to the obstetrician's office. That's what he told us to do. If you've never had a baby before, the words Braxton Hicks will mean nothing to you. If you've heard the term, you're familiar with it, you'll know we got sent home immediately after to wait it out. I remember that night being really long. In fact, I remember neither of us slept very well. And by the next morning, I could no longer take the pain that Pam was going through. So I took her back to the hospital. Immediately, we were sent on into the hospital. So we went back, we picked up our bags, and started a trip to Germantown Methodist Hospital. Now this is a little tip for some of you who will be first-time dads someday. Because this is a crucial moment for you on the way to the hospital. A moment that you have to be epically prepared for. Because it's this moment where you'll need the absolute perfect wording in life. For a phrase that says something like, I know that you're pregnant, and I know that you're hungry, but in this situation, I know I don't deserve food, but could we please stop and pick up something? It's a crucial phrase for you to know how to say to a pregnant woman. Because she's not allowed to eat, and you're starving. It's a little tip for you. Think that one through before you get there. It's what the earliest part of marriage is for, to learn how to safely communicate phrases like that. So with grace, my wife allowed me to stop at Chick-fil-A on our way to the hospital. And I didn't starve. After a couple of hours in an emergency C-section that scared the absolute bejeebers out of me, on January 27th, my son Pierce Matthew Killerlane was born at 527. There's a reality to a baby being born into this world that's truly miraculous. And if you see the picture, they don't tell you the babies come out blue. So know that too. This morning we're going to look at another story of a baby. This one far miraculous than an emergency C-section. And a far better story than getting to stop at Chick-fil-A on your way to the hospital. This morning we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 2 verse 1. It's a text we started with last week, and we'll start there again this morning. Let me read it to us. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. From the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Over the last four weeks, we started talking about Zechariah. 
We've talked about Mary. We've talked about Joseph. We've talked about the shepherds. And this morning, we're going to talk about a baby. Jesus the Christ, who was born of a woman just like you and me and Pierce. He was carried by his mom for nine months, no doubt kicking her in the ribs and the bladder the entire time. They had to cut his umbilical cord, and I have no doubt that he was covered with weird baby slime that covered all three of my kids. No doubt his eyes had trouble adjusting to the light. And no doubt, plenty of crying did he make, contrary to the song. Why? Because he was a baby. A human baby. Just like every baby you've ever held before, he came as a baby. Paul describes his humanness in Philippians 2. This is what Paul writes. Who though he was in the form of God, that's understating his deity a little, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. That's a pronounced statement of his humanity. He emptied himself and became human, noted by being born. He was a human baby. And at the same time, the disciple John will describe his divinity this way in John chapter 1. This is what John writes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. Now the context of John chapter 1 makes it plain that the Word here is Jesus, and that all of these events happened before he was born as a human. You want to talk about overachieving? Accomplish stuff before you're born. Set the bar high. But Jesus was pre-existent, which means he's always been, which means he was always there. We walked through that a little bit last week, talking about the shepherd's amazement. And the angels come, and the angels would have known Jesus before he was human. That Jesus was the creator, and then he came as a baby. John describes that for us in verse 14 of John 1. Saying, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The NLT, my favorite rendition of this, says, and the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. He's real. He was like one of our neighbors. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glories of the only son of the father. Full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. And that is what we are celebrating today. And that is what we will celebrate tomorrow. That Jesus the Christ the second person of the Trinity, who has always existed, who was the agent of creation, chose to empty himself and become like us and be born as a baby. So the question must be asked, why? Why did he do it? 
Why would someone so awesome and so powerful so empty himself to become human? The author of Hebrews answers this question for us in chapter 2. Hebrews 2, 9 and following. But we see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, friends, don't miss the connections that the author of Hebrews is giving us. He made him a little lower than the angels. He emptied himself. The author is clearly making allusions to other biblical texts describing his humanity. And it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, a clear statement of his divinity. He was God And then he goes on to say that he came to found salvation through suffering. He was creating a new thing. Salvation. You could be saved. Your sin could be removed. And it was accomplished and was perfected through suffering. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood... He himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He leans further into the why to tell you that Jesus came to defeat Satan and in so doing defeat death. Process that one for a moment. Jesus comes on death and says, I win. What struggle could you have that amounts to death? Nothing. Jesus overcomes death on our behalf so that we could be delivered, verse 15. All those who fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We could be delivered and released from our slavery to sin. That is, those moments when you say, I won't do this anymore, and you still do it. Those times when you say, I will never fall into that again, and you fall into it again. Those times when you say, I will never, ever, 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 I promise I won't, and you do. Whether that's eating an extra cookie, or looking at something on the internet you shouldn't, or making phone calls to places you shouldn't call, or placing bets on things you shouldn't. Name the sin. The Bible declares that we are all slaves to it. That in and of ourselves, we actually have no ability to white-knuckle ourselves through life to be good enough. And so Jesus came to release us from that. Verse 16. For surely it is not the angels that he helps. But he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God 
to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For as he was born as a baby, he was made like us in every respect, meaning that brother had diaper rash. So that he might become the propitiation for our sins. He might pay the penalty for our sins. He'd become the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That just like someone who commits a crime must pay for his offense, or like a child who disobeys receives a punishment, your sin and my sin required a punishment. If you grew up and you were an Israelite, you knew that. You knew that there was a time and a season when your dad would have to take a sheep or goat or doves and take them to the high priest and that they would give an offering to make a sacrifice for your sin. And you knew that sacrifice was temporary. Because every year you'd have to go back and if you sinned enough, you'd still have to do it. But Jesus didn't just step in to be our high priest. He stepped in to be our sacrifice. To take a punishment on himself that we deserved. And he paid the price in full. That our sins would be paid for. And as verse 18 attests, that when we suffer, or when we struggle, or when we go through temptation, this is far more than just saving you. When you're tempted, when you struggle... When you suffer, he was like us in every respect so that you would know that you're not alone. So that you would know that the one who saved you has suffered in temptation and yet withstood it. So whether you stand before a plate of cookies or sin going, how do I make it through this? I can't do it. Jesus says to you, you can I've taken your place. You're free from this. You no longer have to choose that path you're choosing to walk down. You have been freed. Not only of the punishment of sin, but you've been freed and shown an opening to not give in. We've been given a Savior who reminds us that we are not alone. For we have a Savior who not only came and died to save us, but a Savior who lived in such a way that shows us that our sin can be overcome. Now, will we ever be sin-free? Absolutely not. But we can push back on it. We can fight it. And we can stand in temptation. And He is the way. Friends, as we have walked into this series, as we've started into celebrating Christmas, celebrating that a baby was born, we celebrate that we have a Savior who is like us in all respects. And while we were still in our sin, not only did He show us the path out of our sin, but he took on the consequences for our rebellion. For this reason, a baby was born 
and we celebrate Christmas. So as we've worked through this series considering the call of Christmas, we looked at four weeks ago Zechariah and the call to prepare. That just as God prepared the world through prophecy and through sending people over and over again to prepare the world for his son, so we must prepare our hearts for this season. And we saw in Mary the call to provide. That just as God called Mary to endure an unplanned pregnancy that would challenge her marriage, that would challenge her family, that would challenge her social standing, that would challenge every atom of her being. We see a girl called into suffering to make a path for the Savior. And we're reminded that he too can call us into anything for his glory. And we looked at Joseph and we saw the call to trust. That just as Joseph could only see from the five foot eight perspective of his life, God had a 10,000 foot view. That sometimes we're not granted the plan. We're not granted understanding. But we're granted a Savior who's sovereign and in control and trustworthy. So we're called to trust Him even when we don't understand. And last week we saw the shepherds and their call to surrender. That the shepherds were out watching their sheep on a normal night when guys watched their sheep. When an angel sprang from the darkness And called them to give up everything to worship. And they did. Friends, this morning when we consider the birth of Jesus. That God, the second person of the Trinity, chose to incarnate himself. To take on flesh. To be born as a baby. We must consider the call of Jesus. And I'll submit to you this morning that that call is a call to rest. What I mean by that is 30 years after his birth, while preaching in Galilean cities, Jesus says this to a worn out people. Matthew 11-28 Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is the call of Christmas. To come to Jesus, knowing full well that you are tired and spent knowing full well that you are burdened and struggling. Which is to be clear to say this, the call to Jesus is not to get your act together. The call to Jesus is not to get your life straightened up. It's not to cross your T's and dot your I's. No, the call of Christmas is the reality of Christmas. That most of us are trying way too hard to be good and failing desperately. Most of us are struggling to obey that which we think is put before us. And we're trying to work out our salvation as we understand it by doing good things. And that's not the call of Christmas. The call is to come to Him, all who labor. 
The word here means that you're wearied, that you're tired, that you've been trying really hard, that you've been overwhelmed by hard work. It goes on to say, come to me all who are heavy laden. The term here means that you're loaded down, that you're overwhelmed. To all of these situations, to these categories, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus says, don't yoke yourself any longer to the world, as if the world's expectations will satisfy you. Yoke yourself to me. It's an illustration anyone in this agricultural society would have understood. You take a young ox and you put it next to the old ox so that the old ox can teach the young ox how to do it. So he works the hardest and he learns the way. Jesus says, let me do all the work for you. I've already accomplished it. Come next to me and learn my ways. That's the call of Christmas. That we would come to Jesus. We'd submit ourselves to him. And in doing so, we would find rest for our souls. Friends, Jesus was born a baby and lived a sinless life and went to the cross to die on behalf of you and me. He came and his purpose was salvation for you and for me so that we'd no longer have to work to earn God's favor. So we no longer have to find certain ways to find his love. So that we no longer have to achieve to be accepted. Now that's the very nature of his coming in the gospel is this. That you and I fall short. That we're sinners. That we struggle with sin. And that there's nothing we could do to earn God's favor. And the answer isn't more discipline or white-knuckling life. The answer was a baby born in Bethlehem who came to bring us salvation. So friends, this is the call of Christmas. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's that simple. Jesus says and to all those who would believe in him, he gives you the right to be called children of God. By believing in Jesus. That's our call. That's the call of Christmas. So whether you find yourself here have a, having believed in Jesus for a long time, but overwhelmed and tired from life, can I just urge you to go to Jesus with it? To find rest in him in this season? Not in the stuff, not in the activities, not in the disciplines, not in the practices. Find your rest in him and if you've never believed in jesus before and you get drugged here by an aunt or uncle or parent and you're struggling your way through life jesus is the hope that we need jesus is the rest that we need that as you look inside yourself and feel yourself struggling to try to accomplish things that you want to accomplish or do more than you think you can or feeling insignificant or unloved or unappreciated, come to Jesus. 
the author and the perfecter of our faith. The one who created salvation, because here's the rest part. You and I can't be good enough. There's something so freeing about that. It isn't about your performance to God. It's about you believing in him. About you trusting in him. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. There's so much here in the gospel for us. Jesus came as a baby because we couldn't do it. Jesus came as a baby because you and I weren't going to be good enough. Jesus came as a baby because we couldn't follow rules. It doesn't matter how low you set the bar. Don't eat from the tree. Got it. Whether you had one or 500, we couldn't follow the rules. So Jesus came as a human. And he came as God to offer us a salvation that we could find nowhere else to save us from our sin. Let me pray for us. Gracious Father, thank you that in eternity past, knowing full well who we'd be, knowing that each of us in this room would struggle with sin. There's not a single one here that doesn't. Whether we want to admit it or not. Knowing full well that all of us would fall short, Father, rather than casting us aside, rather than kicking us to the curb, rather than telling us we're so undeserving of you, rather than leaving us to work it out on our own, rather than giving us a checklist or a measuring scale so that our good would outweigh our bad, Father, you took it on yourself to solve our problem, and you sent your Son, who came as a baby, who came in full humanity so that we'd always be able to relate to him. Came in full humanity so when we struggle and we're tempted, we're overwhelmed, we could know that there's a hope that's far greater than us. Came as a baby to offer us a salvation. That we would come to you, all who, were, who labor and are heavy burdened, Father, That's all of us. Father, this season, will you grant us rest in your son Jesus? Rest for our souls to find a peace that transcends all understanding. Rest as in children of God. Rest as in your beloved, those in whom you take great delight. Rest as in the ones that you delight in and rejoice over and singing over. Father, may we find rest in you this season. It's in your name we pray. Amen.